0: next time on Maui Firestorm.
1: What's the, the antithesis is they think that, that there's satellites from outer space shooting laser beams yeah. to light this fire. I mean, I mean, are you serious? Right. We should ask the question when you drive around Maui now, what? go look at the urban interface areas that didn't burn. The wildfire management in those areas is, is remiss and negligent. We've had fire after fire after fire in these areas. We had a, a fire incident under Hurricane Lane that almost did the same thing that just happened. What was the defensible space adjacent to these structures? What was the assessment of that fuel? What was the assessment of that building construction in that area? What did you think wasn't gonna happen? And then you throw a very limited amount of resources, which are already tasked, that this community has grown exponentially and it has not kept pace with the fire resources that should be provided to it. Let us fight the fire on our terms. Let us fight the fire with good defensible space, with reasonable, adequate resources. That's our brothers and sisters that go into an environment and they have the courage to go in there and do what they needed to do because they were asked to go do it. What playing field did we give them? What did we ask those, those my brothers and sisters to go do that day? The higher up leadership, you know, shame on you. Shame on you for putting them in that situation. That's the playing field they deserve? That's the way they're supposed to fight the fire on their terms? Like that? That's respectable leadership? Come on. Come on. A whole fire service can know we can do better than that. We lost equipment. We could have lost several companies worth the firefighters that day. Yeah. You know, at some point there will be that reckoning of what happened and why. I think we're gonna teach the world about how a community comes together and tries to rise up from a, a tragedy like this. But we're also gonna show the world what not to do and how not to prepare. And yeah. you know, what happens when you don't. This was sadly very predictable to me. Everything I see is things I've seen before. There's no surprises that I'm seeing. This is human negligence. This is human negligence yeah. that, that took and exposed a population. Exposed the population of expo- people that we love and care about. They may not have known this was coming, but we did. We knew what the potential was. And then it happened. This blood's on my hands, too, as a, as a member of this organization. I didn't do enough over my career. Just the loss of life is, is unacceptable. And it was something that could have been prevented. And, and for me, that that's it's a nightmare. so we, we moved back over here about maybe four or five years ago we sold our house over there and we then, take a ferry originally there was a there was a ferry that went back and forth and then um, jet skis so we it was that's frowned upon but we um, we did we started the programs here with uh, jet skis used for high surf rescue with, with yeah. Archie and right. with with um, with that group and so I started that program with the with the fire department gosh 20, 20 something years ago and so we would a lot of us water patrol guys would go back and forth on skis so I wouldn't really use it to commute, I'd fly or I'd take the ferry, but for everything else I did, come over on a jet ski. You'd fly? So yeah, so they have an airport in the center, where it kind of looks like the island dips, there's a saddle, you can barely see land in the middle. There's an airport up there, and so you fly a small, like, you know, 10-seater pond pond hopper. And then that's how you got to Oahu, that's how you got over here for work. Um, How many
0: stations are over there?
1: Well a county two and a half so you've got you've got Holyhua a full station you got Konakakai that's a full station with a with a tanker tender and then you've got um, Pukoa which was a substation they've they've since since upgraded some of their staffing but so three stations with uh, creative staffing and then there's a an airport rescue firefighting station up at the airport and then there's a a national park service station down in Kalapapa that's staff kind of cross staff with park service folks and then you got a small dofa presence uh, forestry and wildlife with the state that helps during wildfires but usually they'll come over from here in more force. Got it. So that's part of the of the 14 stations we have that's three of them. It's pretty interesting. Yeah so very you know it's you, you, you do you do less with less right? Yeah. So you don't do more with less.
0: <laughs> uh, wow well, they like to think right I mean that's that's what administration wants more more with less.
1: Yeah yeah so it's um, and, and so when you come over here and you work with all kinds of resources it, you get to a point where you um you can function in, in a high resource available environment. In fact yeah. you start to order up more than you you need sometimes but right. but it's I think it's a it's a good one-way door to have a perspective of figuring out what you can accomplish with very limited resources because then then you uh you can respect when you got the right ones. Yeah. You know, but if Part it's the other way around and you go into that environment you're like you you start you start your mind starts thinking about all these 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 tools you have and you really don't have them. You know and Maui's a great example of a of a community that's grown exponentially in the last 20 years and has ignored all the planning that was previously done to expand those fire stations. And they're on the books. They're, they've been presented to council, it's been in strategic plans, you know, and, and, and for the last, you know, at least the last two fire administrations, that none of those plans have been continued, mm-hmm. you know? And so you, you had Con 2020, there were supposed to be two more fire stations on this side. There was supposed to be an extra piece of equipment go up to Napili, you know? And so, you know, that, that kind of has a factor role in some of this, you know, you, you have wildfire mitigation through good, good weed abatement programs and code enforcement and community planning, and then you have the resources that respond to it to fight the fire on their terms. Well, what resources are those? Yeah. And when you stretch yourselves too thin and you're sending resources up and up cooler for that problem, and then you have nothing left here or very limited, and you know, you, know, you can get quite interesting. You know, you're, you're going to get you're sure, gonna, okay. you're overwhelmed quick. I'm also, gonna warn, you know, warn you guys. I'm going to be, I'm going to be critical of local union leadership. I was, a, I was a division chair, and I'm, a, I'll say that. Um, but I, I'm, I bleed IFF, but I, and and I love the IFF's agenda. But I am, I am not um, in agreement, and I'm starkly opposed to the way that local union leadership has, has, co- has lack, collaborated or a lack thereof with managing these issues for the fire service in Hawaii because it's resulted in a lack of staffing. It's resulted in a lack of progression. Uh, the thumb's on us and all, all it is is vote your paycheck. And there's a strong thumb and there's, there's no freedom of these firefighters. They will be retaliated against by chief officers because they, they have no protection during promotion processes. So if they just want, you either kiss the ring or, you, or, you, or you're done. You get mowed over. That's right, ostracized, whatever it looks like. And so people, good firefighters that are very smart with strong voices can't get those voices up. And it's also voices that are suppressed by the union. And the evidence of that is that you have a plethora of IFF programs and they just really don't exist here. And you've got to fight tooth and nail to get them. Yeah. And then when you have GIS studies that would have erased our department and stood up a one that was based on, say, 1710. It's not about having a firefighter in every corner. It's about figuring out how to protect what you got and have a logical, data-driven discussion about where you could go to serve the community based on your suburban environment and they they they, both the fire chief that's current he was a deputy and now the fire chief and our union president squashed it Hmm. because they don't want to manage those they don't want they don't want to have more ask of more people yeah so you're going to you're going to potentially stifle the fire service from being able to effectively serve this community with enough staffing and safety for firefighters because of political reasons about money or other reasons and other motives of ego and pride so I am, I am not a supporter of the HFA leadership, whatsoever. Okay. And I love Frank Lima, and I love you know him as our Secretary Treasurer, and I've known him for a very long time, and, and our District 10 VP. I have no, nothing against them, but I've, I asked a simple question. Can you help us implement the IFF's agenda in our local? And the answer was, well, why don't you run for president and take over so that you can achieve that, because we're not going to meddle with that. That's an important thing for members to understand. You know what I mean? You know, so. I'm not not happy about that, because that's also part of what what got us to this point.
0: There seems to be, um, I feel like a lot has been bottled up for a long time here. Oh yeah. And I don't know if it's because of, uh, I don't know why. Um, I don't know enough about it to know, but I feel that as I talk to more and more people, a lot of things have been, not addressed, or suppressed, or um, not brought to the forefront to go after it. I don't know if that's a cultural thing or if that is a complacency thing on the on a societal
1: level. I can. I'll be able to explain that.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think it's it's a, it definitely it's a it's a cultural thing, but it's because of respect. You know. Um, Talk about that. Yeah. Please, we're we're good. We're gonna we're just rolling right into the
0: conversation.
1: Okay. So, oh, you want to just keep going? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, what's the question? <laughs> well, the question is,
0: I feel like you know, through conversation, a lot of issues have not come to light until now, and there seems to be this underlying level of angst or um, uh, anger if you will, about certain topics. Um, and I feel that, you know, I don't, I'm trying to figure out where that comes from. And I don't know if it's a, a cultural thing, if it is a societal thing. Um, but there's a lot of issues at play here. And I wonder, you know, from the economics through COVID, with, um, with uh, you know, the, the shutdowns, and then from there, um, you know, we're talking with the fires in Lahaina now, There there's... Um, the ability for young people not to be able to afford to live on the island, the price of goods have skyrocketed. There's a whole lot of factors here that are societal. Um, and I wonder if it's a boiling, we're, we're you're getting to a boiling point here. Talking with you this morning, there's been a lot, of, a lot of conversation about things that need to be changed or fixed or addressed or even start the conversation. So I'm just curious where, where or how you got to that point
1: so you're, you're correct and I'll start with culture yeah. you know Hawaii's you know we we live in a host culture um, of Native Hawaiian host culture and there's many other cultures that are part of that over over history um, uh, whether it's workers or people that, that, that migrated or um, came to Hawaii um, and it makes up this wonderful calabash of people that live here and um, However, a stark tenet of 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 our of our community is respect for elders, respect for leadership. Um, If you go back to the the the, um, Hawaiian system of of uh, both culturally and of governance, um, the ali'i or the chiefs um, were very were respected. Yes. And so when people get legitimate positions of power um, in modern times, regardless of how they got there, uh, people respect that and they trust that. And uh, many people don't know what they don't know, so they rely on those leadership leaders in specific areas to do the right thing and to know what to do. Um, you're, you're correct about uh, pressures in the community in terms of economics and, and um, you know, Hawaii is a dependency model on tourism. Um, while that was something that was tried to be diversified in the past with agriculture, uh, you see a lot of difference that today where it's really heavy on tourism. Yes. And, and whether it was with COVID or post COVID, um, that, that, that just is what really drives this economy um, aside from any other major government you know, influence such as our military that's present here. Um, and so with jobs and the, and the ability to live here you can imagine Hawaii is such a beautiful place. There's a lot of pressure from the outside of people that want to be here. They want to participate and, and live the dream, right? Yeah. Um, that creates a it creates a cost prohibitive environment for the people that have lived here for generations or or, or centuries uh, that thereof. Um, um, or even recently to even afford to live here. Yeah. And so that causes a lot of friction and angst. So, and jobs are more competitive. Um, and, uh, the money to go around in terms of a tax base is, 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 limited, you know, especially with the, with the fragility of the dependency on, on tourism. But in terms of, uh, you know, you know, leadership, um, you know, one of the, the Hawaiian principles is kina'ole, the pursuit of flawlessness and perfection in everything you do. And so um, many of us in the, in the fire service, I'll speak for the fire service here in Hawaii, going back to um, when that was established in Honolulu, um, I think as, as far back as King Command the III, and especially with King Kalakaua, um, fire service has been very progressive and followed that kina'ole principle. There's been major events like the fires in Chinatown uh, where the king uh, wanted to see how the, the fire response could have been improved, so he sent at the time uh, um, Princess Leuukalani and, and Princess Kayulani to Queen Victoria's Jubilee in England. And it was and on that journey of uh, visits to San Francisco fire, visits to um, DC, FDNY, right. London Fire Brigade, all in an effort to, to um, take what the world was offering in terms of fire service progression to bring it back to serve their people. Um, the first steam engine that was ever in the Western Hemisphere was the name of the Oahu. It was a gift from King George to, no to the Hawaiian monarchy. So hmm. Hawaii's fire service, uh, and you're talking about one of the most liter- liter- literate nations in the world at that time. Um, first uh, building in the Western Hemisphere to have electricity, Yeah. Um, Iolani Palace. Um, so so Hawaii and Hawaiians uh, as a culture are progressive. And so the fire service traditionally followed that suit. Now modern times that may not always be the case. You have you have spikes of that. You have people really committed to the job that, that take it upon themselves to to fulfill that, that effort and, and I'm proud to serve with a lot of those people. But where that gets sideways is with is with who your leadership is. Yeah. Um and, and what direction they have. And that doesn't always uh, that doesn't always happen uh, in the in the with the best results. So in a
0: society where perfection and and, um, innovation and uh, it it creates an environment where uh, I've learned that you have to learn your place and things have to be in balance there's an order to everything that you do Um, when things go out of order is where there's conflict and friction
1: that's got to be part of it then there is conflict and friction related to this incident, you know, yeah. you have, um, you have, you have, firefighters, this is called just old timers like myself, McCoolie guys, and, and there's a, there's a lot of us, and, and, um, and then you got younger folks. Um, you know, you can't, you can't expect other people to pick your battles and fights, especially when, when the harm that could come to them, it's even firefighters, let's speak about firefighters in this case, I think that's what we're talking about, um, it's a fact that in our system in Hawaii, and I'll speak for Maui County, that, that um, you, know, you kiss the ring or, or you're gonna be, you'll be ostracized or worse. And that means that you know, if you want to speak up about something you believe in and it's not popular with the leadership, then you, you will either not be promoted, you will not be on special projects, you will not be on training cadres, you will, you will be, you'll be pushed out of the group, you will not be listened to, um, unless it's popular with that group. Then it's been good for you, um, and and that 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 becomes very influential because when when that kind of control is upon firefighters, um, and it can impact their career and their paycheck and how they provide for their family, yeah, um, then they're going to make decisions that, that that are very difficult. Now now some of them, um, you know, you can't and you can't ask them to do that, right? You, you, they have to be able to be willing to do that themselves. So um, there's others of us that, that have taken it upon ourselves to. Uh, you know, be more outspoken. And, and we've paid the, we paid the price for that. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes we make mistakes on the way. I mean, I don't know everything. I don't always get it right. And there's a hundred situations where I wish I could go back and you know, maybe change the way I talked about something or sure. the passion or the burnout that was involved uh, could have been curtailed. But it's important to assess that because uh, if there's something that's important to make a change that's beneficial to the public or beneficial to the health and safety of the firefighters, um, and that's not able to be organically cure, cure, you yeah. know, curated right. and, and supported. Um, then we got we got a problem that that will span decades. And 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 this whole thing, what happened here at this incident, didn't just happen overnight. This was a this was a culmination of events that that was established over decades, um, uh, in different ways. And so um, that we've all inherited at this moment in time. But definitely that friction is is a component of it because it's what caused many of the things that could have happened to prevent this incident from happening. It's interesting. That's the first time in my conversations in the last few days that prevention
0: has been brought up. I'd love for you to expand on that a little bit. You have over 27 years here with the Maui Fire Department, correct, Captain?
1: Yeah, just going, was going on 27, 27, yes.
0: So, you've been around a long time. You're a veteran of the fire service here. Um, you're involved very much so in the community. Um, so, when when you go out and say prevention, and say that this was a culmination of a lot of things that added up to what happened that day um, on August eighth with the fires, um, I'd love for you to just expand on that a little bit, so I get a better understanding of, of you know, what you're talking about.
1: So, yeah, correct. I started my career here in, in 1996 with my fire. Before that, I started my career beginning in California in 1989 in the fire service. And so my original lens was, was in California with, with wildfires in the, in the Orange County and the Los Angeles County area. Um, incidents that I was involved with, whether it was the, um, the riots in, in 1992 or the firestorms in 1993. I was on a, one of the first strike teams in Laguna Beach and the firestorms in 1993. And so I've got to see you know, where, where I saw command posts overrun. I've seen you know, things I've never seen as a, as a very young firefighter. Yeah. Um, fire whirls, you know, hundreds of feet tall multiplied by hundreds in, in Laguna Canyon go into a subdivision uh, that were assigned on independent action and see 40 homes on fire at once. Yeah. Um, so I, wasn't, I learned very early what this was all about, and I saw both the, the occurrence during the fight and the many times that day that, I, that maybe our crew almost didn't make it. Um, but we did make it, and uh, I also saw the, the aftermath uh, to a community and, and what fire behavior did in those communities. So I became you know, very involved in understanding um, wildfire management uh, in a, as a preventative measure. And, and, and in California, the weed abatement, like we call them weed abatement, but yeah. weed abatement and wildland fire management programs are, 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 um, are very prevalent. And, um, and there's a strong, uh, a strong daily effort to manage brush in the wildland-urban interface and to have uh, um, defensible space around those communities. Right. And, and strong plans in terms of, of, of how to walk fires around those communities um, and not suffer the impacts when that isn't done. Um, and that could go in also into building construction standards. What roof types, what types of uh, exterior building materials are sure. utilized in non-combustible, soffit uh, venting issues, uh, everything, even the windows that, are, that have insulation. Um, and, and just again, defensible space, fire-wise type communities. Now that, all that lens of, of information tr- transferred with me when I started my career in the Maui Fire Department. And so my entire career was spent also paying attention to that and in in whether the more suburban communities I worked at here on Maui, but especially in the remote community, I worked in a Molokai. We, we partnered with the US Fire Administration and, and the US uh, Forest Service and the National Park Service and the Department of Forestry and Wildlife. Right. and Countless hours and programs spent uh, developing wildfire management plans for the islands of Molokai, and then I know there were some efforts here in West Maui as well to identify how to protect these communities. Um, that was also a heavy influence and an ask on our, our code, our Maui, our Maui County code with the, with the codes we adopt. You know, to, to just simply have what's on the books of a defensible space uh, to a property boundary of 30 feet is, with, with the types of wind-driven fire behavior we have. Um, Santa winds essentially on a on a daily basis with trade winds yeah um, you got to plan for that a little differently and, and in those codes usually the fire chief can can have distances of, of, of vegetation management far beyond that and that's that's within the fire chief's purview uh, but let's just say that a lot of that doesn't occur you could we should ask the question when you drive around Maui now what go look at the urban interface areas that didn't burn that's right and just and just ask yourself you know is that is that really defensible space um what happened after sugarcane in mean, sugarcane in some ways um and, and i don't know if this is brought up but you know to protect the community of lahaina it's basically as far as you can down to olawalu area and mauka up the mountain all the way around the communities of of, of lahaina up around um, Lahaina Luna, um, back down all to the north end of, of waikuli coma village waikuli and, and lately homesteads to the civic center that was all cane yeah and and cane behaves very differently, and it was managed very well. And when that agricultural industry left, um, there was inadequate planning to know that the fallow cane would turn into fire-dependent grasses. And we've had fire after fire after fire in these areas. Um, we had a, a fire incident under Hurricane Lane um, that almost uh, had a little bit different wind conditions, um, but almost did the same thing that just happened. Yeah. That was 2018. That's correct. That's yeah. correct, I believe. Yeah. Um, and so, what, what lessons did we not learn from that? Um, and and we in the same the same area where this fire ran through and took homes that started, uh, you know, that. So, you know, prevention-wise, we should ask the question, you know, what was the defensible space uh, adjacent to these structures and these these communities, these these subdivisions? What? What, what was the identification of the continuity and the arrangement of fuel? What was the assessment of that fuel? What was the assessment of that building construction in that area? What did you think wasn't gonna happen? Yeah. And then you throw a very limited amount of resources which are already tasked. This community has grown exponentially and it has not kept pace with the fire resources that should be provided to it. Um, and prevention um, has, a, has a big role in, in that as well. Let, 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 let us fight the fire on our terms. Um, let us fight the fire with good defensible space with, with, with reasonable adequate resources and I think you would have seen uh, a different result. You could have incentivized building construction standards to get rid of shake roofs or other combustible uh, siding materials and incentivize that. Um, you could have had stronger public education programs to go out and, and and really emphasize and educate the community what they could do to prepare their homes and, um, and you could have also trained the community to be more more prepared to, to know when this happened, what they could do in a safe way, um, to whether it was evacuation or whether it was uh, you know how to maintain firebrands collecting like snow on your lanai, um, to to mitigate that with a bottle of water. Right. Um, but you know, so I'm I'm kind of jumping around a little here, but no, but
0: it, it sounds like there's so many things here, and I guess the the question, the the next logical question is, is why wasn't more mitigation taken. Why wasn't there more of a stance on prevention? I know yesterday through the conversations when, when we drive through here, we go up the bypass, right? And I'm trying to paint a picture for the people that are listening to this, but at one time all those flat lands that are dry grass now used to be plantations.
1: Correct, correct? that was all sugar, sugar cane.
0: cane. Which was
1: well maintained, well irrigated. And when it was when it was cultivated it was burned, but it was it was done with a lot of resources right. and cane burns were a it's, it's a it's a very it's if you want to learn how to fire. Onto a fire operation. You could talk to the folks that did that. They I were, bet. they were very good at it. I bet.
0: And now it's become as, as the, uh, uh, as that has left the area that agriculture has left the area. It's not barren land. Correct. And it's just dry grass. It's, it's
1: tinder. We, uh, we have, we have, we have exponentially expanded our, our, uh, our surface area and, and, and linear feet of, um, of, of connection to an urban interface environment. Okay. Um, and, uh, mm-hmm. And, and and we, I, I, in my opinion, um, the wildfire management in those areas is, is remiss and negligent. Um, and, you know, we can put it on the property owner. We can say, oh, yeah, hey, property owner, um, that's your responsibility. Yeah. And if something happens that, 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 that impacts your neighbor or the environment or another property, well, that's a, a civil liability issue. Well, you've heard that for years. But who's, who's responsible to lead that effort and enforce it? Who's responsible to 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 lead the charge and educating in, in, in the community and uh, and re- identifying that threat you know what's the, the antithesis is they think that that there's satellites from outer space shooting laser beams yeah. to light this fire i mean i mean are you serious right. i mean this is this is this was sadly very predictable to me everything i see out in the field um, is things i've seen before whether it's been at, at structures lost in wildland fires regular structure fires or large catastrophic wildfires um, uh, in California or even smaller fires that have taken multiple structures here on Maui and so this is uh, there's no surprises that I'm seeing and so this this is this is human negligence this is human negligence yeah. that, that took and exposed a population Expo- the population of people that we love and care about that they didn't know they 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 may not have known this was coming, but we did. We knew what the potential was, and then it happened. And and this blood's on my hands too, as a, as a member of this organization. I didn't do enough over my career to to convince the people or be part of that team discussion to to make these changes occur. And uh, and it's, it's just devastating. It's the loss of life is is unacceptable, and it was something that could have been could have been prevented. And, and for me, that, that's it's a nightmare. Yeah. And, and so right now we're focusing all our positive energy on, on, um, on serving the people and, and giving them every ounce of what we have to, to heal and to do what we can from this point forward. But you know, at some point there will be that reckoning of, of, of what happened and why. And, and I think we're gonna teach the world about how a community comes together and sticks together and tries to rise up from a, a tragedy like this. Um, but we're also gonna show the world what not to do and how not to prepare. Yeah. and what happens when you don't yeah and uh and when you've been given multiple opportunities the light bulb comes on dude this almost just happened in 2018 you you have multiple weather conditions annually with north winds that that and, and standard trade winds and unstable and stable wind conditions that that you're you're presented a footprint of of wildland firefighting on a daily basis i mean people think of hawaii as green you know they, they did a picture of hawaii They think it's tropical I I know I did. You know, we—I've said it before—that we, we, we deploy progressive hose lines and attack fires, um, in, in a in a in a very dynamic way with wind-driven fire and in, 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 in without a lot of time, on a daily basis year-round. And on this side of the island, it, it's dry all year-round. Yes. And and if it is green, it, there's still stuff that'll burn, but it's it's uh, you get a, maybe a reprieve for a couple months, and then it's back in back in the season. So you know, what gives? Yeah. Now I want to make it very clear. You know, the firefighters that day that did that work, I, I, that's another part of this is, that's our brothers and sisters that go into an environment and they had the courage to go in there and do what they needed to do because they were asked to go do it. And what, what, what playing field did we give them? What did we ask those, those, my brothers and sisters to go do that day? They put, they they put themselves out there and there's story after story about what they did and the courage that they possessed to, to, to go out and, and try to get in the way and basically be a speed bump on this on this on this incident and help people evacuate and find their way to safety those that they could um but you know the higher up leadership you know shame on you shame on you for putting them in that situation that's the playing field they deserve that's the way they're supposed to fight the fire on their terms like that in that environment that's respectable leadership come on come on i know the whole fire service can know we can do better than that and it's just, and the, and, the, and the, we almost lost. We lost equipment, but we don't, we could have lost several companies worth of fi- firefighters that day. Yeah, we just lost a brother firefighter not too long ago to a flood incident. I mean, you know, we got to take this stuff seriously. So I know that day, talked with a lot of different companies, guys that
0: were there. Um, heroism, asking them to do the impossible. The the cards were so stacked against them that day, and yet they were in there doing their job. But even more so. The amount of pride and ownership they take within their own communities. Yes, they weren't backing down. No, they couldn't, and they, they carry that today in some of the conversations I've had. To see that that sense of uh, defeat, they feel defeated. They feel that they should have been able to do more, mm. but with everything you're talking about,
1: they were sent in to do the impossible. That's, a, that's a, a fair statement. I, I think you bring up a really good point, and forgive me for not saying it. I mean, it, it's, it's rare in the fire service these days that you live and work in the same community. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and you're absolutely correct. You know, it's not just about you if you live on the west side. There's, You live on Maui. And right. you live in you live in the community that you protect. And your family's there, too. And, um, and yeah, they, they the, the firefighters in the Maui Fire Department, I wouldn't choose a better group, and I'm sure, and this is throughout Hawaii, but... You know especially in maui there's a lot of pride to serve this community and 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 it shows on all the days that we have school visits and and that we go out and do you know public interactions and and pre-fire planning or or all of our interactions with the community there's a deep love for the community that we serve and the and the community trusts us and we're, and we're very involved and and so there was a i guarantee that there was a a a lot of pressure uh, on them because they, they were they were they were fighting for life i mean you know, for me, and I won't, you know, go too deep in that rabbit hole, this rabbit hole, but, you know, 9-11, I call it, you know, it was a checkmate incident. You know, our brothers and sisters out there on that day, you know, knew the potential of those buildings coming down. Sure. Yet they went up and down those structures um, to try to save one more life. And I have just tremendous respect for FDNY, um, for the courage that they possessed on that day and the way that they conducted themselves. Um, but it's a moment to identify, well, what checkmate events have I had in my life? I've gotten maybe a couple moves away some near misses but nothing sure. like that where you've made a conscious decision that you 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 may not go home and you've, you've committed with the brothers and sisters that you have there in that spot and you're going to go do work to save people and i think it was very similar for those those firefighters on the 8th that um were in a situation where they made a conscious decision and, and i bet they some of them thought they may not go home but they were going to do everything they could to save a savable life and and that's you know as firefighters i think that, you know the community you know I, I just pray that they recognize that um now so the firefighters, to your point about them thinking that they could have done more, um, you know, I, I all I can do is ask them. I can't tell them how to feel. But I can tell them as a senior member in the fire service that, you know, they've been raised up by a lot of us old-timers. And and you don't know what you don't know. They may, a lot of these guys have never seen that before, or never thought that could happen. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think if they would have been exposed more to some of the examples I gave from that I had earlier in my career, and they would have had more, more progressive emphasis on, on both wildland fire management and urban interface type fires and the devastation there and how our community mirrored or exceeded the, the threat assessment or threat profile or risk profile, whatever you want to call it. Um, they would have, they're, they're so intelligent, they would have said, we need to fix this. Yeah. Um, but then we get back to the political environment. Well, what, 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 what voice do they have before they get squashed? You know, and so, and, in that, and then that, that, that beautiful respect for leadership above them, you know, um, you know, you can't delegate away responsibility, right? So when you, when you, when I promoted through the ranks, you know, and this goes back to your point, um, I didn't say I, I'm going to take a promotion. I didn't take it. I, I had a, a crew of firefighters that believed in me and raised me up and said, hey, Greg, we think you're ready for the next step. Yeah. Um, at that fledgling level to be, say, be a driver. And then i go through the process of of testing for that and then i'm at a point where i'm offered that position by the chiefs because they maybe agree with it that i'm ready for it and then i and then i a moment i have to accept responsibility for the position that i'm about to 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 endeavor on it comes with the responsibility driving a fire apparatus with with a crew of people that's a a big responsibility and they carry that forward into being an officer it's no different i said the same thing every time imagine being a chief officer so how do you how do you go into a spot and say oh that that's not my fault that's not my responsibility you accept it so as an organization we have to accept responsibility for where we were at and um, and I would I would beg those firefighters to know that that they they did everything that they could that day yes and um, and it wasn't about it wasn't about the lack of their effort it, they did everything beyond what I could have would ever have asked them um, to do if if I was leading them. Um, but they were—they were, they were handed an, an environment. They were handed an incident that—that was—that uh, was impossible, and um, and whether that was uh, you know decades of of again wildfire management practices and, pre- and preventative and code enforcement, cu- coupled with proper uh, resources availability um, and and, and um, et cetera, Then that that would have been that would have been that's that's a fair yeah a fair situation for him. Speaking to that,
0: um, talking with some of these crews, engine crew that we spoke with, um, the harrowing operations that were were occurring, um, and so rapidly, you know, the the rapid deterioration, the rapid fire growth. um, Mm. The fire was just consuming neighborhood after neighborhood, um, and the speed in which it did that was... Uncomprehensible. It's it's hard to even imagine what they were dealing with. It was a a true firestorm, if you will. Um, They take such ownership because they knew auntie and uncle. Mm. They knew the history and lineage of so many buildings and homes. They know the residents by name. You know, firefighters go to fires in neighborhoods that they serve in. They're sworn to protect, volunteer career, it doesn't matter. You're sworn to protect and and provide life safety measures in your neighborhood, these people are heavily entrenched in this community. They came from this community. They're second, third, fourth generation in this community. They are all in. The scars that will come from this are devastating for them. Not just the community, but they were sworn to protect that day and they carry that burden. And they're gonna carry that for a long time to come. And, And seeing that on them yesterday and the day before as we talked with them, it's guys like you that absolutely have to be a part of that healing process for them, where your, your experience and knowledge as a senior man uh, is so important today. Uh, and I firmly believe that. I know almost going on 30 years in the fire service myself, it's, it's, it's us that needs to help guide um, going forward. And, um, and I know you all are. I know how important that is.
1: I think just our presence too, to your point, like, yeah. I think early on some of the, we called the Makuli guys, there's retirees that came out of the woodwork, you know, you had uh, some stuff that officially was asked through the EOC with uh, points of distribution, which myself and a few other retirees uh, worked on. Yes. Um, we had tremendous support from uh, outside uh, fire departments within the state uh, from just about every, every jurisdiction. Um, came out to support us at those points of distribution and I'm, I'm very disappointed to say that there's if there's any retaliation For those folks that took time off to come out to help us to serve this community, you know, that's BS and, and you know and, and uh, I'll, leave, I'll leave it at that. Yeah well, uh, But those, those without those those uh, brothers and sisters that came out from those fire agencies to support those Efforts in the public distribution and in the midst of chaos um, There's people that would have been served. There's more people that wouldn't have been fed. There's there's people that wouldn't have got essential services and so I'm um, very proud of not just that effort that was with the fire group, but also all the other organic um, points of distribution that came up in the communities that rallied together to serve their, their individual neighborhoods at the neighborhood level. Um, there's other retirees that came out to work uh, some of the operations um, during the uh, USAR effort. Um, I won't go into details there, but um, a large group of retirees came out right. and volunteered. And, and, um, and I think when we were around those younger firefighters uh, you know, after we've retired, you know, it, it's just a quiet uh, presence, and and they know that we're with them. Yeah, and and I do agree that, that 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 has an impact because a lot of these guys, whether I trained them in a recruit class yeah. or they were on my crews, um, you've seen them grow up to be officers. Um, they're, they're just uh, they family. Yeah, and so just because you retire doesn't mean you're not a firefighter. That's right, and so you know. You know, whatever, whatever leadership, you know, all of a sudden we leave and we're, we're damaged goods and you don't talk to us anymore. We're, we're coming back and we'll be with our we'll be with our brothers and sisters. Right? <laughs> you, you don't worry about that. Yeah. You know, and, and we're not going anywhere. So I think that is part of the, the, the leadership still is that we can show them a path forward, that we're all in this together and that we that we we, we care and love for each other in the community that we live in, that we're a part of, that we lost. Um. And I, I do I do agree with that. Um, and, and to your point about the, f- the fire, and and, that, and then their and their dis- their disappointment. You know, we all know that in, with wild and inter- urban interface, you know you have different heat profiles. That's right. You know, grass grass and you know light flashy fuels do one thing, but once it gets into those structures, um, it, it changes the heat profile, which which intensifies and becomes a, a, it prepares the structures next to it to burn. And then you you know like when we make we make you know pull or barbecue here in Hawaii. Um, or, or whether you're at a training center and you're getting a fuel package ready for a, a live fire burn, um, you know, w- once you light it with the torch, the next thing you do is you take a leaf blower through it. To it. And we all know what that does. It makes a perfectly developed, fully developed fire. And, and, and that's what those guys had. They had a, basically a leaf blower going through a fuel package. And, and they were asked to go jump in the middle of it. Yeah. And so and on a micro term, that's what they dealt with on a macro level
0: knowingly putting themselves in the path of what was coming to provide a half a second of protection for those escaping, fleeing, trying to get or save one structure. Valiant efforts, valiant. Knowingly putting themselves in harm's way that day. And the stories that we've heard time and time again, um, it's just nothing short of a miracle that they all went home that day.
1: I, I've heard some of the stories, um, I, I've kind of been disconnected because I'm still so busy with, uh, with the efforts I'm still involved with, in. yeah. um, but I hear some of the stories and they slowly get pieced together. Yeah. I, I, I do concur with you, there's just some um, you know, her, heroic efforts and, and commitments uh, that, that day, um, and, and in addition to the folks that were fighting the fire up in Kula, yeah. um, you know, um, the, the BC that was on duty for that fire, he was my BC when I was still working, hell of a guy. And, and a great leader. And, you know, and and he was doing everything he could with the resources he had to protect that community up there. And, and meanwhile, that was drawing resources away from these guys down here. So they didn't have maybe everything they could have over here as well. So um, yeah, definitely harrowing efforts. And, and there's, there's folks that came in from off duty. And um, I know there was even uh, people grabbing their POVs and, right. and getting out there with their gear and doing everything they could to help get people get to safety.
0: So Greg, you talk about um, leadership within the department um, that comes in many forms. So you have your administration but you also have the union. Uh, the union is IAFF. Correct. Um, so I'm just curious how that kind of all fits into the equation as well.
1: So we, we have, a, we have a, a, a very interesting labor management relationship here in Hawaii. Um, the union is, is, is very strong and, and a very uh, strong local, large local within uh, the IFF. Um, I'm very proud of the IFF's uh, response. To support at, at this incident. Um, I know a lot of the peer support folks. You know, going back to uh, the, the, you know, Drew Kane from FDNY that came out to train us in the peer support training that we got a grant for four years ago, and and that I saw their peer support folks on the ground providing you know so, you know support to the firefighters and the, and the folks in the field. Um, and I'm sure there's some other uh, big level items I don't know about that the IFF was here. I did see Frank Lima uh, and some of our union leadership. Um, From DC and and abroad, come out. Um, uh, But locally, I'm very disappointed. Um, You know, you know, labor labor management to me is the three C's: collaboration, communication, and mutual credit. And that happens over decades. Yeah. And I am I am not a guy that votes his paycheck. I I, I depart from the IFF on that note. I'm I'm a I'm a citizen of our country first. Uh, I vote our constitution. I vote the laws, and and rule of law, and order, and community. Um, that gives us the fabric of how we exist, which is everything around me, everything I serve my community I vote my community and if I do a good job supporting that community, then I may be blessed to have a job and I may have an, a community that has an economic um, you know uh, an economic viability that allows me to get paid well for that job right um, i don't i won 't make decisions otherwise, but that being said you know our 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 local here you know, f- focuses really mainly on that. You, you, if, you, if you ask the question, what IFF programs exist uh, throughout this state, uh, on the menu of programs, the millions of dollars that the IFF has invested, whether it's in uh, medical alternate duty assignment, whether it's in peer support, whether it's in um, um, GIS studies for, for NFPA 1710 considerations for resource deployment and st- standards of cover and resource deployment, um, we've, we've turned, we've turned away all of it locally. Um, you know, there was a GI study that was offered to us, uh, that we were signed up for that, that was, uh, dismissed both by our fire chief and our union president, yeah. um, local, not, not our, not our IFF president, um, after the IFF supported it happening, which would have erased the Maui fire department and stood it up based on our statistics and identified all of our resource gaps. And we could have used that to at least maintain... The resources that we currently have um, as, as data-driven, uh, informed decisions to our elected officials, but also look forward to what we needed to to protect our communities and serve our people. Um, and when those things are just because whether it's it's arrogance or egos or pride or or agendas, um, that gets in the way. And so, um, as a former division chair, um, the reason I didn't run for re-election is because I was hitting brick walls yeah. locally. And when you ask the IFF leadership to say hey can you please help me implement the IFF's agenda for the local in Hawaii and they go well brother you guys might you then you should just run to be the leader of that local um, because you know we're not gonna we're not gonna we can't really find a mechanism to help you with that what do you think happens over decades with the with the labor management relationship where do you think the ability of the voice and the independence of the firefighter goes it gets squashed right. and then the only thing left is uh, administration that can Put their thumb over that firefighter. Um, even our promotional processes—they um, are—they do not follow examples like you'd have in D.C. or examples that you'd have in the Illinois. Uh, I think it's promotional act. The tenants of, of examples of, of, of allowing firefighters to, to, to rise up in their organizations and be who they are constructively, without the the form of retaliation, and and labor has basically stepped away from that. Yeah. And so you have an environment where where. Progressive Fire Service and progressive firefighters, you know, have to face retaliation on a daily basis for, for doing the right thing. And when that happens over a number of years, like I said, decades, um, and then you have a lack of other programs to support all the things that would make a fire department healthy you have that strong labor voice, um, it's just one-sided. Yeah. And so I'm, 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 uh, I think it can be fixed. And I'm not saying that those, those leaders that we have now need to go they just need to make a turn. And they need to see this and know that, that, that this is on them too. And that the, all the resources that they could ever imagine are sitting with our IFF waiting to help us. Yeah. And so uh, I, I suggest that we, uh, we make a turn and we, we accept those resources and we, we make this local, the most progressive IFF local in, the, in, in, in all of the IFF. That's my suggestion. Because it sure as hell hasn't been.
0: So You yeah. talked about the ongoing efforts you're involved Um, you've been involved from the get I know that you were an instrumental part of uh, coordination getting resources providing support um, and now moving forward you're still a part of the process Um, talk to me a little bit about where we are today and and where we're headed with the process of what's happened
1: Um, yes I for me, I just consider myself a hopefully a functional member on a team of people, right? Yeah. You know, I'm, it's, it's nothing that I do that that I'll take any credit for. It's it's the people that raised me up to be who I am today in the fire service, um, and and the people I still get to work with, and together we're really strong. Um, I leave my ego at the door. I'm never the smartest person in the room, and together we make the best decisions. You know, and and usually the outcome hopefully will be the best it can be. So I think that's the the mantra that all of us take, and the folks that I work with, whether it's the retirees or. Even in the uh, in the areas I'm involved, I, I've still, you know, we we we, we had the initial days after. Um, we all know that there was a, a uh, we call it, that's called Phase Zero, the, the USAR effort, um, and uh, um, addressing any any um, uh, um, post-fire operations and and the recovery of, of human remains. Um, that was assisted, you know, by uh, some groups. I was involved right. a little bit in that. Um, we had the points of distribution, which were critical. That was a far more important thing, I thought, because we were getting aid to the people and, and coordinating um, with the, all the community groups. So the West Maui community aid um, stood up and was helping to, to help uh, provide intel on all those efforts and needs for the community. That, many being that fled north to Honokawai and, and Kahana Napili areas, Kapalua, um, in addition to central Maui and other places, so that, that aid effort was really important. It was in, in, we were involved in that. And then we moved into the, uh, you know, it's known to be phase one of, of the operation, which is household hazardous waste removal. And um, um, there's efforts I'm involved with there with my hazmat experience. Yeah. Um, and then when that comes to a close, I know that, that I've, there's discussions that I don't, I don't follow them too closely, but I know there's a discussion about strategic reentry for families to get back to their, their homes uh, safely to be able to um, um, get closure. Uh, and then that will transition into some way into like phase two, they call it um, from what I understand, um, which is gonna be your general cleanup. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> so, and there's, and of course, you know, due to structural instability in, in the burn area um, and other factors, uh, you, you can't get rid of all the hazmat and hazards. Um, you know, in the, in the earlier stages that there are now. Um, so those will have to be addressed ongoing and there's, there'll be many hazards still out there that'll sure. be uh, addressed until cleanup is, is complete. Um, I think that another really critical aspect that I think that the community is very proud of is the cultural monitoring component. Um, yes. the, the, West, the West Maui community and the cultural practitioners um, that have been involved. Um, they've got boots on the ground that are out there trying to protect our cultural resources, our EV kupuna. Um, our modern EV that, that passed in the fire, other, other historical structures, uh, plantation era considerations, and all those cultures. Um, trying to make sure that whatever is happening in the field, um, you know, from the, the initial phases moving forward, that those, there's not further harm caused um, by, um, you know, causing any damage or destruction or, or disrespect to that. So I think that's a very important aspect that, that we hope to see, you know, develop ongoing moving forward. What do you hope for
0: going forward? I mean, there's a lot here that we've unpacked, and you know, from prevention to the community to the future. What do you hope for? Well,
1: I, I hope that I hope that the community comes together, continues to come together, yeah. to find a way to, to progressively heal. Um, I hope that um, that we do a rapid assessment of all of our existing communities on Maui that haven't had fire issues, and that yeah. we 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 um, we pull our head out of our ass and we and we fix it now. Yeah, um, I hope uh, I hope that the uh, the official efforts that are being managed through our county, state, and federal government and and, and, and all the other partners involved are successful um, for an end result that the community can can be uh, proud of. It's such a
0: all-consuming uh, project there's so many layers right and uh, we've been talking about you peel back one layer there's another one right behind it something else that needs to be addressed um, speaking with a lot of the cultural leaders while we've been here and understanding the need for cultural sensitivity when it comes to those properties it's not just the property it's a generational property that could potentially have uh, family members buried on site it's sacred there's a spirituality involved that needs to be addressed Um, And I think that's something that was um, really important for us to learn while we've been here, is that this is not just going and clean up. There is a lot more to the process. Um, And healing is part of that process. Yes. Um, You know, throughout the interview today, it's emotional, still, and it will be going forward, I'm sure, because I know how proud you are, and so many of you are so proud of the communities in which you live, protect, serve, and um, going forward uh, it's going to be a long process and it's going to require a lot of healing along with it.
1: Uh, We have some strong community leaders on the Hawaiian side and and also overall for Maui Nui Um, and and I think that that path forward in terms both for for cultural and just general community healing moving forward is is in good hands Um, and you know I just I think another thing you mentioned in a previous what the previous question about what I would hope for forward is in relationship to that with the, with the cultural side is is just that um, that, the, uh, that's, that the trust that there's transparency and trust moving forward with all of the official actions that are taking place because I know there's a lot of whether they're conspiracy theories or, or the actions of our current government officials I hope that the community can, can quickly get their arms around that and really believe in the path moving forward yeah. that'll be part of that healing and it'll be also part of their confidence that those cultural um sensitive aspects are going to be taken care of because yeah. that's just going to cause more stress that's right if you don't you don't address out you're you're causing perpetual stress and so i would want nothing more than than the stresses to be to to be hopefully kind of alleviated through good process and and and, and, and ways forward that the, the community really believes in. Yeah. Um, because that'll, give them, that'll let them do like what I'm doing, is, is put my head down and work. That's what firefighters do. That's, right. you know, that's how we cope a lot of times. We just, we gotta stay busy and we gotta keep working. Um, and that will give them something to look forward to, something for them to work towards as a community, which is, is very healthy. Um, it's a very good coping mechanism yeah. um, that you're doing something to help. And, and everybody can help. You know, you don't have to be a firefighter. Uh, to help this process heal, you know, you, you, you know, if you're part of, if you're, we're, we're one community, and we just happen to be firefighters in that community. So it's a, I would say, you're not joining us; we're joining. Firefighters are joining the community to, to make this to make this right. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's the way I see it. You know, and um, we have our homogenous group, right? But um, and we'll, we have, we see things differently on our own terms, and and we'll we'll, we'll have to continue to work individually as a unit as a fire service there and um, moving forward. I think the the last piece too is,
0: it's a very close community. Um, And there's a lot of people that are gonna be coming back to Maui now. There's been a pause on the invitation for the outside world to come because there's been time for healing, time for addressing their own communal issues with the fire and and all of that and I think what has to come from this too is an understanding there needs to be a level of respect and dignity and I think that it's so important that they're given their time and their space and that the outside public needs to give them that time and respect the lands that were damaged or destroyed that day because there is so much spirituality heritage to it
1: all. I concur with you on that. I think that um, that tourism reopens up, I think there's some date, I haven't been watching the news, but there's some date soon that that's yeah. restoring. And we have a lot of people in, in these properties, one of which we're at now, and in other hotels that are that have been displaced. Yes. I know there's processes to try to clean that up, um, but it, it seems a little off-putting that, you know, that tourism will return to, in the effort to try to restore, Dollars back to the community and get people back to work so they can stop suffering economically. Um, I understand that 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 importance, but sure. but but now where are all those people going to go that were being housed, and and then you know how's that going to go over in a community that's going to be coping with this and you know in healing from this for some time? and I can't imagine there's not going to be some um, some friction uh, with visitors that come and 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 and. Uh, experience that and 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 i and there's nothing i can say on either end of that if you if 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 someone comes here to visit and they get that kind of negative uh a negative uh feedback to their visit i think they're gonna have to just i just i just hope they understand that um where that's coming from and then just and please don't push back on that member of the community but
0: please respect please
1: respect that and then on the other side I, i just hope that that doesn't turn into some type of a of, a, of an altercation or something bad, so I mean, it's at that level. I mean, you're talking about there's, you know, there's people right now when they see they don't know who you are and you're here and and, and um, you, they know you're not from from Maui, um, you know, you know they they, they could be ready to scrap, you know, and and so, you know, you're you're, you're visiting Maui. It, it's a balance, right? I mean, you know, economically. I, I understand the needs for people to go back to work and the amount of money that's being lost per day that's going to hurt families even more, balanced with the with the, the healing part of it. Yeah. So, I'm not I, I'm not a, I'm not, a uh, I'm not as privy to all those details, but I would just I, I hope that the people in charge of, of figuring that out have considered all those things and, and and then but we are we are you know our tenant is aloha,
0: yes.
1: so fundamentally. You know, we have to find aloha in this. We have to, we have to you, know, under, you know, everything we do, we just need to, you know, um, act with aloha. And, and, and hopefully, even if we're not happy with something, we
0: can get through it. Greg Jenkins, thank you, brother. I appreciate you joining me today. I truly do. Really great conversation. I wish you nothing but support, and I know that you're working hard to get the communities back on their feet. I know how much pride and love you have for the fire department here. As well as the community in which you live and protect. I just appreciate you taking a few minutes today and sitting
1: down with me. Truly really do. Thank you. Thanks, Craig. Appreciate you.